Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Colorado Hunting Hub. This podcast is designed to talk about everything hunting in Colorado. Whether you're a new hunter, old timer, or something else, Colorado Hunting Hub will have something for you. I'm your host, Clint Whitley, and let's get started. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. We've got some giveaways going on, and if you don't know anything about them, you're not paying attention. So here's what uh, we have. Onyx memberships, giving one away for the next 11 months. I had somebody not respond. I had someone from a foreign country that doesn't know good. I had uh, the third person just emailed today. So hopefully we can get that first month away to them. Also, the Vortex Binos, 10 by 42. They're uh, up for grabs here. Got a few weeks left on those. And then the big one, the Exxon... Exxon XO Mountain Gear backpack. That thing is valued at well, it could be valued at $650. It depends on which one you pick. You don't have to pick the one in the picture. You get to build one that fits you uh, and listen to episode 20 to figure out how uh, or look at the or hear about the packs and how you can fit even a tall, lanky guy like me or someone who's short and stubby. You can. They got all the proper fits, and if you don't know if they'll fit you, just ask. But I'm really not sure what your platform is that most of you guys are listening on. Seems like Apple Podcasts, maybe YouTube a little bit, but mostly that and Spotify. So scroll down on the episode, any episode, and you should be seeing there the description of the show or show notes or something. And there's where I throw in all my links. So that's where you can click the link to register. I'm not going to spam you like crazy, so uh, don't worry about giving. I'm not collecting anything but an email address on there. I'm not sending out anything. I'm not selling your email emails, none of that. So it's nice and safe. Just uh, sign up, 
I want to give this stuff away. I get literally nothing out of it. I just want to help, help you guys get the gear you need. Again, shout out to the international listeners. Get a hold of me. I want to chat with you, figure out uh, your story. And if you're coming to Colorado to hunt or uh, somewhere in the U S to hunt, I, I want to hear your perspective and love to hear kind of what hunting's like in your country. That'd be kind of cool. One thank I hunt Colorado's Facebook page again for letting me post on their, their page and be a part of their team. Funny thing is in the last one or two episodes, I said, uh, that you probably should have some idea whether you're drawing or not. And you know, that antelope tag I've been talking about thinking I was going to be getting it. I didn't get it. I'm a little bummed. And I, that one's a little bit of a surprise. And what I was kind of condemning folks on is the fact that you should, shouldn't be surprised for multiple years. I knew my draw odds were not a hundred percent, but I did know they were, 98 percent uh gonna gonna draw so this time i was of the two percent that didn't draw so i'm bummed but i'll have the leftovers and reissues to play that game so i'm gonna mess with that look at the secondary draw a little closer and so far all i drew was a private land unit 42 cow tag which i lost a big chunk of my permission for chunk of 42 so i've got some calls i can make i'm gonna see what uh um what i can do about that and my piece of property is a shot in the dark there's only 10 acres there so the chances of catching elk i gotta be uh pretty quick on that one so if you got a place for me to hunt in 42 that'd be great let me know need to fill a cow tag now it'll be a late season which would be good it'll be all like almost all of december almost all of january whatever that season is so it'll be That'll be a, a meat filler is what that one's going to be. But there also may have been an increase in applications. That may be some of the reason. I don't know. Well, I asked that question and we'll, uh, we'll kind of figure that out. But in this episode, I've been uh, alluding to, in previous episodes, I've been alluding to my Colorado mountain goat hunt. So I figured I might as well tell that story as to what this thing was all about. Because it was probably top one or two hunts I've ever had and a lot of fun. So I just wanted to tell that story and kind of share about the luck of the draw, I guess you can have. Uh, it wasn't your year maybe this year or it was your year. So your year could, will eventually come. If you keep playing the game, it'll happen. So I've been kind of talking about this hunt. And I apologize if it sounds like boasting. I'm not. I just was so happy to be given the opportunity uh, to let me go and, and uh, allow that to that sort of hunt to happen. Because it was not the regular mountain goat hunt where I drew, I had months to plan, I scouted, and I went. That's not how this, hap this uh, hunt happened. So I was at work. We have this high ropes course. We were doing some training. It was the last day of the training. We were kind of doing our uh, certification part and testing. And so it was kind of kind of casual because people were testing and they're just walking around. And I had a, I must have been up in the air and didn't realize it, but I missed a call. I uh, got down from the tower and, and uh, read less than my voicemail and game warden from whatever unit. 
gives me a call and said, Hey, I've got a mountain goat tag. You were next on the list. Give me a call. Uh, please do so as soon as you can. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The pressure. And I was, uh, instantly heart was racing, ran into my office, dialed that number right back, got a hold of, uh, the game warden. He said that I was next on the list. I had not drawn in the regular draw. This was early, no, mid-August is when I'm getting this call. So he said, hey, the season starts in two, uh, tomorrow, actually, he said. Season starts tomorrow. I've got some goats that are in an area that aren't supposed to be there. Do you want the tag? Uh, yeah, I do want the tag, I said. So, uh, and, and I had some questions instantly around well what what do you mean goats that aren't supposed to be there aren't they aren't those ones that anybody would want anywhere any biologist would want anywhere well i think uh with the whole grand teton stuff i think we realize now too about some of those how aggressive goats can be and so this was actually out of the unit that i applied for and it was in a area that the biologists were managing for sheep so it was kind of their their sheep unit when mountain goats get in there, they kind of are a little more aggressive and they don't push the, they sort of push the sheep out in a way of competing. So they're out competing for the food sources and the sheep aren't going to really want to be in there. Funny thing is I saw sheep in there, but he said there's two mountain goats last seen up on this peak. And so he's got two hunters lined up, which I guess he had to go down the line because apparently people didn't have the flexibility and work to be able to do it or they had to travel. So lucky for me, it was just three hours down the road and I have flexible work schedule to allow me to do it. So I was able to say, yeah, two days later, I show up at uh, CPW office uh, in fair play. And I chat with the the officer. He gives me a couple of details. He points to a mountain, two peaks way to the south, and says, right up there is where these goats were last seen. I should have asked when. I didn't had no idea when they were last seen. But he said, right up there. Good luck. Here's a here's an access point. I'd maybe check out this road. Okay. Um I was not prepared for a goat hunt. I, I didn't, I didn't have my time to do my research. I literally just had the time to pack my stuff, get in the truck and go. So hopefully I was prepared and I felt pretty good about it because I put a lot of effort into the archery elk season, which was, which was, uh, going on. And I said, August when he called, that's wrong. September, late September is when he called. I think it was about the third week in September, but anyway, uh, yeah, since I had been archery elk hunting, I had my pack basically done, and and Dad and I had been doing some, doing some uh, archery elk hunts, and stuff just needed to be repacked. With uh, my pack, just needed some more food and some different things. Needed to get a spotting scope uh, packed up, and and a couple other little things. But otherwise, I was pretty well ready to go, which is quite surprising, but I, I would say I would never do a goat hunt without, uh, trekking poles again, uh, because I didn't have them and now I do. 
and they're awesome. So I drive down to the trailhead and I get there just as it's getting dark, sleep in the truck, set my alarm and up early, but not that early because I, I came in there dark. I had no idea. So I got up early, early enough and right as the sun's coming up and I'm, I'm hiking up the, the trail. I kind of just figured out a straight line up into this basin so I can see this little snow patch. That's all there was, was a 50 yard long by 20 yard wide, uh, piece of snow. And he, he pointed at that and that was my, my marker. So I went there, hiked up through the trees and trying to get above, above snow line. And every moment of that hike was just this wow factor and kind of that I couldn't believe I was on this hunt here I was. Uh, and I, I had no time for that, that, uh, excitement to really set in when I got that call. It just was, or the reality to set in, I should say excitement was there. But even as I'm hiking through those trees, I stop on the trail and I bust out the spotting scope and think I see a goat and ended up being a sheep, which was pretty cool. Uh, saw that sheep and just the whole time it must have sounded like a look like a crazy person because I'm talking to myself and having a good time just smiling ear to ear uh, because of just how pretty it is and there's no one else I'm competing with. I knew that I was the only hunter on that mountain for those goats. So I hadn't, I didn't see another hunter the entire time, which was kind of cool. I saw down below the elk hunters and, and whatever, deer hunters or whatever they were going after, but I was alone. So I loved that. Got up right to about tree line and set up camp, dumped some gear. And, uh, I did pack in my rifle and my bow. I had no idea what I wanted to do with that. I really didn't know how skittish or not skittish our mountain goats are. I had no idea. So I brought both. I uh, probably shouldn't have brought in my spotting scope. That was a little much. I borrowed that from a buddy because that just added a serious amount of weight. I should have left that and I'll, I'll explain my shoulda, coulda, wouldas at the end here. But I, I ditched my stuff and it's still pretty early yet in the morning because I was probably only two and a half miles in. And when I hit to that basin and I hit the tree line, so I started going up one side of the basin. I figured I'll go up there, glass this entire basin, glass that snow patch, uh, got up there, saw, saw some more sheep or the same sheep. I'm really not sure, uh, but got up there and experienced something I don't think I've ever really experienced this, this weird kind of vertigo feeling, even though if I tripped and fell right now, I'd fall nowhere. Uh, but it just, some of this feeling of I'm going to get blown off these cliffs or I'm going to get blown off of the mountain just was, it was kind of weird uh, being way up high with no trees, no nothing. I haven't been above tree line a whole lot. So I, I'm not a hiker. I don't like to go climb 14ers or anything. So that was new. And, uh, but it's like a whole new world up there. It felt like I was in Alaska, uh, different vegetation, different, uh, just different feel and look to it. It was really cool. Made my way up along this ridge, and I just was covering ground trying to find these things. They're white, and there's no snow really on the ground, so they're going to stick out. So I just kept looking and looking all over the cliffs, thinking they'd be hanging out somewhere out of the wind or something like that. Found a couple of elk sheds at 11,500 feet or something stupid like that, which, of course, I had to pull them out. I threw that picture on Instagram a while back. 
but just a nice little five point and uh, thought that was pretty cool that they're shedding way way up there but, but it was beautiful elk habitat the next day i'd actually seen seen some elk uh nice bull with with 10 cows or so above tree line that's great elk habitat lots of cover down below lots of food and all that sat down on uh to view the basin and glass the basin and something about having coffee at eleven thousand feet just uh uh, is pretty awesome having some hot lunch hot hot coffee that was nice so uh, if you don't have a jet boil or something to make quick hot coffee that's totally worth it i'm digging that had that moment of discouragement after i did a 12 mile day looping all around these cliffs and and all that even though it's day one it's like i don't know where these goats are maybe they moved out i don't know where they are i don't know how long they hang out i didn't i didn't even google anything about or research or talk to anyone about movements or how they move or why they move or habits all that stuff i had no idea so i had that moment of discouragement realized i kind of covered the area that i could for the day and it was probably only two three o'clock so i couldn't really go down to camp and then up the other side of the basin because i'd never get there in time and it really wouldn't be a good good thing to didn't want to shoot a goat at right before dark and trying to trying to figure out where I was at or go down a steep cliff. So kind of took a nap on the side of the hill, uh, went down to camp after a while and, uh, made some, made some food. Said I, I had my camp set up that picture that is on my website at Podbean. It's like colorohuntinghub.podbean.com. That picture is of my camp looking over into the basin and that little snow patch that I believe is there. One little thing you may not see in that picture is a little wooden cross right there. <laughs> Maybe a little creepy that I was camping right where somebody buried their dog or something. So, uh, but it was just the perfect area, perfect little camping spot. And I didn't care. So, but I left it all alone and, and, uh, and enjoyed that camping spot. So I made it an early, evening tried to get to bed as soon as i could and woke up the next day pressure was on i was i actually picked up camp and dropped it down a little lower because i was headed up the other basin side of the basin and i went up a nasty hike and thank goodness for those little boost oxygen cans those are now going with me uh, when i'm going to push myself to some nasty hike I thought they were kind of dumb originally, but give you a little shot of oxygen in your lungs, help your, your muscles and, and everything recover quickly. If you understand the process of cellular respiration, water and oxygen drive those processes. So they, that allows that energy to flow through your system a little bit better. So if you can shoot straight oxygen in there, it helps. And I could feel it instantly. So going up that nasty hike above tree line, uh, kind of hit this saddle that's going to hit or get me outside of this bake basin and around the edge. And that wind is just ripping at this point. I had left my bow back at my camp, which that's a little nerve wracking leaving knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. 
We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Thousands of dollars a gear uh, behind, hoping that people are good and not going to mess with my stuff. Kind of hit it as best I could, but uh, hit that little saddle, got over the ridge, and it's just a scree rock field. And the backside of this basin is steep and nasty. I knew that... I can maybe peek around there a little bit, but I've got limits because it's it's all pretty clipped out. Hiking, hiking, and look over to my left as I'm making my way through this scree field, and there they are, 100 yards away. I got three goats, actually, uh, that were bedded. The biologist thought that there was just two, but there was three there. So, like any hunter realizing he's busted uh, i've got these goats looking at me i lay down really gently get my pack off i put my pack on the rock i set my rifle up and look at them through the scope thinking i got this uh there's a sweet shot he's laying there and field judging of course now i'm picking out the the best one which i have zero experience with goats before this I have seen a couple of mountain goats in the Black Hills of South Dakota, but actually I've never seen a mountain goat in Colorado prior to this day. The goat that I shot was the first one I seen in Colorado. And I know they can be along the interstate. I know they can be uh, along the Evan, Mount Evans or whatever, but I've never been up there. Just wasn't uh, something I'd ever done or ever found. So I laid down and I was getting ready to like, thinking about my shot and how I'm going to do this. Like, I'm not going to screw this up. I don't want to make a bad shot. I know that they're tough and that they can take around. And that wind was whipping. And at no moment did I think I should have had my bow because that wind was moving and the shot with my bow, I don't really know how that would have worked. I would have needed to been 10 yards away, which later find out probably would have been possible. So I, in my sight, I see this little V that the rocks are making and the vitals are right behind that. I would have had to snuck that bullet right in that V to be able to get that goat right where you'd want to shoot. And I wouldn't want to hit that rock. So I just aim a little higher and realize that that was too much of the hump. So I actually decided I'm going to make a dock on this. So I back out, get out of line of sight and I crawl up about the same level that they are. And I start creeping and creeping and walking around shale and stuff like that is, is not very quiet. But I, that was one of my better stocks, I thought. It was nice and quiet, sneaking, sneaking. And I peek over and they're sitting there at 35 yards, still laying, still looking off. But they didn't see me at that time. So pull my rifle up. He's bedded, quartering away from me. And I can see everything. So I was like, perfect. I'll put this right behind that last rib. And up to the front shoulder, that'll be a very lethal shot. Uh, settle in, aim, pull the trigger, and he jumps up. I reload, and he goes about five yards, and I put another one in him. Uh, both were great hits, and he dropped right there. He would have, if I, I think if I hadn't put that next round in, he would have dove off the cliff because he was about 10 yards, 20 yards from diving off over. And if I would have shot him with a bow, same thing. I had picked the first one in the group. I kind of noticed that they were 
laying almost in order of size. There's one itty bitty little Billy. And I could tell that he was just a kid. Uh, he didn't have mom with him, but he was just a young little yearling. And the other one looked about the same as the one I shot, but they were all three Billy's. I think I got the one that has just a little bit more mass at his bases uh, than the the other one. That one might have been longer, but not much. Uh, just, uh, just a little thinner, maybe a little longer. But you could tell they were probably probably the same age, which I found out ended up being uh, just a three-year-old, uh, eight and three-eighths inch Billy. But I am pleased as can be with him because he's gorgeous. He didn't fall off a cliff like most goats. A lot of goat hunters find is they fall and fall and fall and get destroyed. So this guy was just in perfect condition. So this was 9.15 when I pulled the trigger in the morning. And just in complete shock, I just so happened to have cell phone service. So uh, I called my wife and my dad was was there with with her and so i just was celebrating over the phone and and oh my gosh i did it i did it i did it i found him and i got one and and uh having that kind of fun excitement and that was one of the first animals i haven't really just like gotten it and got out i really tried to cherish the moment a little bit and took a lot of pictures i of the surrounding area I sat down and just looked at it and enjoyed it and and uh, just wanted to, to seize the moment a little bit. Funny thing was, the other goats really didn't go anywhere. Uh, they say that hunting a goat is not necessarily, that shooting a goat is not that big deal. But getting to them is the hard part, which I would absolutely agree. It was a very difficult hunt. But the stock, I guess, really wasn't that necessary because they didn't leave. I've got a video of being less than, uh, I have about 10 feet away from the other Billy. They, they didn't want to leave. It was kind of strange, something I'm not really used to, but they don't really have any predators up there. So they feel pretty safe. And not very often do they have a hunter coming in there. And, they, and I bet those goats have never been shot at before. So they had no idea. So a bow shot would have been possible, but again, even then, I think he would have dove off a cliff, which would have really sucked. So the pack out in episode 20 with XO Mountain Gear, uh, I talk about that a little bit, and thank goodness I had that pack. I wish I would have known it better after chatting with Mark and learning about the pack extensions and all this stuff. I really should have figured that part out, but I decided... I'm not coming up here again, so I'm putting this entire goat on my back. And so I separated the pack from the frame, and you can put a load there, and then I stuffed the whole bag full of, full of the goat. So I had every uh, part that I needed, as well as the back half of the hide, which I found out later, real comparing some of the weights, the hide was unreal how heavy that thing is. But put that entire goat on my back, and... When I have a heavy, heavy load that, that that's well into the triple digits for poundage, I I kind of try and put it up on a shelf so I can lay down into my pack and roll upwards. It uh, is horrible on my back and doesn't really help. 
and probably was a little dangerous doing it on that scree field, but I figure I just need got to get out of the scree field and it's almost all grass and easier walking from there, except for being downhill. So 9.15 is when I pulled the trigger. Probably got out of there 10.15, all packed up, ready to go. Like I said, I took my time and I kind of set myself some goals. I'm going to get to there. I'm going to get to there. Uh, I'm going to get to my camp and ditch it, ditch half of it. And that was kind of what I was excited about was getting rid of some of that. The weight on that, on my back was so great that I could just feel my hips not being able to stabilize. It was just really a weird thing. I, I don't think I've ever felt before. So I got uh, down, hiked slowly, slowly, slowly down. And I just put a picture on Instagram not long ago of that hike. And the kind of the look on my face right there is complete exhaustion. And I stopped. I'd hike 50 yards and and uh, rest if I could, hike 50 yards and rest, uh, and got to camp. Ditched half of half of the load and still was pretty heavy. Got to the truck and got that first load off. Stripped everything down in the pack, the, the lid, the everything that I had in my pack for whatever, and only had enough water to get to the, uh, uh, the rest of my meat and the my GPS. So I made sure I had a way of communicating just in case something happened. So, uh, which has a, a, the Garmin inReach. So I had a, a way of, of crap at the fan. So went up to the camp and got the rest, which I had hung the meat in the tree just in case. Got no idea what kind of bear activity there was there. I didn't want to have that come getting ripped up. Got the rest, got all the way down back to the truck at 7.30. That was my goal. I, I told myself I'm going to get back to the truck by 7 or 7.30, and uh, that's what I did. It was 7 or 7.30, I can't remember. But from 9.15 to 7.30 was the entire time I was in probably the most miserable pack out of my life. But the weird thing is I kept telling myself, I don't wish this to be over. I want to remember every little bit of this miserable hike and enjoy the crap out of it. It was just a weird feeling of this is misery and I'm okay with it. I wanted to experience it uh, because that's what made the hunt so difficult. It wouldn't have been any fun if I had just pulled up, stepped out of the truck, shot and loaded up and drove away. That really wouldn't have been the same hunt. So 7.30, get in the truck. I really needed a beer. Should have packed some beer, my mistake, but uh, I guess Wendy's would have had to do, would do in uh, Brecken, Breckenridge or whatever, where I was, Frisco. So just had a lot of holy crap thoughts, realized as I, as I was driving home, got home kind of late at night. Uh, but in two days, four days, in four days, I got a call. I packed for a trip hunt. I showed up on the mountain did 22 miles in two days of nasty above timber tree line, hiking around, shot a goat, got back to the truck. Just a crazy series of four day events that probably won't ever happen again or won't happen again for quite some time. The cra uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, cause the crazy thing is this was considered a depredation hunt. I did not have to use my points. I've got about three weighted points yeah, three weighted points and, or four, I can't remember, but I did not have to use my points. And normally during a regular season, 
when you draw, you don't you don't get to put in for that the mountain goat again for like five years. There's a waiting period. I don't know if that's harvest or not. It doesn't matter. In my case, I don't have to wait that waiting period. So I'm back in the game again this year, and I put in for the same unit. And I was drawn and, and I will not drawn, but I was, I'm in the drawing or I was in the drawing that's over and I was unsuccessful, which is just fine. I don't want to actually draw a mountain goat tag. Didn't want to this year. I would have rather spread that out and maybe in five, 10 years, I draw another one, which would be great. And I'll chase it with a bow. I ended up processing, processing that my little boy barely had, had cut teeth and He's the first one that actually ate it. My dad and I had some had some uh, back straps, and it was good. We were pleasantly surprised. We didn't know really what it would taste like, but it was great. Like I said, it ended up measuring eight and three eighths. I've never actually really scored it, so mountain goat score doesn't really mean anything to me. So I've never done that. But three years old, um, so not an old old goat, but just beautiful 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 uh white coat on them long hair no no real parts on them that that are that don't look good the mount ended up looking amazing i took it to elk creek taxidermy in newcastle and it looked amazing he got it done and i've already got it on the wall Uh, i've had it on the wall for about four months and it's a it's a sweet mount and i did a kind of a pedestal mount on the wall. So it's turning away so you can get a little bit more of that shoulder and bottom leg uh, and a little bit more of the white. So it look, it's pretty sweet. My buddies are telling me to full body mount that thing, but what the heck would I do with a full body mount? I don't know what anybody would, unless you got a pretty good size house and spot for it. So I was pleasantly, I'm, I was pleased with the, with the pedestal mount. I took that back half and it's actually at Wyoming Containery right now getting tan. So I'll have a little chunk to throw over the banister, which will be pretty cool. Kind of looking back at some of my mistakes. I think what I should have done was not bring the spotting scope with me. I should have stayed down in the valley and, and, uh, tried to find them. I probably should have looked for those goats then and then also look for different angles around that basin from the other side and see, maybe found some other roads, drainages to get back in there to kind of identify and see them first. It may or may not have worked. I don't, from where they were sitting, it might not have. Uh, and, and maybe with that, I probably could have found some other trails or spotting location, uh, some different areas to access. But I just went with the one he suggested and went for it. Worked out, but... I think I would have done that a touch differently. Would have lightened my load just a little. I went in a touch heavy. When I can't be near a fridge, it seems like I want to throw my a little too much extra food in my pack because then I seem to get a little extra hungry. Uh, so I was a little heavy on that that front. And would have learned my pack extensions like Mark talked about in that last podcast. And then the next I wish someone would have gone with. My dad was here hunting. And we had debated him coming. Uh, I really wish he could have been there to to see that. But it was so physically demanding that I I don't know if that would have been a, a good thing. So uh wish he could have seen that. But again, it just was one of those. I don't really know who would have gone with me because it was so physically demanding. 
and uh, uh, a lot of folks would have would have struggled with that. Not saying that I'm a physical beast. It's not that I just have long legs and I can hike and I can do it fast. And I have that stubbornness where I just don't stop. I don't really take breaks too much unless I got a load on my back. Well, I'm hiking. I can just go and go. So, but it really would have been cool to have someone there. I don't really care about filming it or nothing, but just to be there to experience it with me would have been kind of cool. But that is my Colorado mountain goat hunt. And I, as a only living in the state for eight years, I'm lucky enough to have drawn and lucky enough to have harvest and uh, had a wonderful, wonderful time. So I know the point creep on these goat hunts are crazy, but there's plenty of units that it's not a once in a lifetime. You can draw multiple in your lifetime if you're a Colorado resident, or maybe even as a non-resident. It's possible. You just got to do your research and find some of those units that are not the the drive up in your car above tree line and, and go hike and uh, pull the trigger on one. If you want to work, you can get one of these things. So awesome, awesome hunt. So thank, thank you CPW for allowing that sort of hunt to happen because they made my dreams come true. So hopefully another day I'll have another sweet story like that. Wanted to share that one with you because I'm proud of it. Thanks for listening. Right outside of this one church town, there's a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.